But I think I think that's what's exciting about teaching because you know in in every profession there's that professional challenge that if you take on it's kind of like you know you take on that one big project and if you win it that's like it makes your career you know and those students that's that's the teaching you know milestone or project that will make your career if you if you get through if you figure out a pathway um, and so you know if you change your mindset to that then it became much more like actually I'm going to proactively engage this person that was this week's guest, Year 6 teacher and the founder of the Cred Rewards app, Nadi Patel. And you're listening to episode number 7 of the Teacher's Guide podcast. Gentlemen, what are the four pillars? Now you all remember how scary your first days in school were. You don't stop it anymore! Hello and welcome to the Teacher's Guide podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. My name is Zach Woodward. I'm a primary school teacher from Brisbane, Australia and I will be your host each week. The aim of this podcast is to share information and experiences that will help all teachers to thrive in their role, particularly aimed at those who are in the first few years of their teaching career and those who are aspiring teachers. We like each episode to be short and to the point, so let's get into it. The conversation you're about to listen to is one that I had last week with California-based Year 6 teacher, Nadi Patel. Now, we had a really interesting conversation and she told us about her career change. So, she's worked in all sorts of other careers before coming into teaching. And then we spoke about behavior management and how we can better uh, foster environments in our classroom where students can learn. And then Nadi talks to us about the app that she's invented for goal setting and behavior management. So it's a fantastic conversation and I hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. Now, I started off the interview by asking Nadi to tell us about the best lesson that she's ever taught. So the surprising thing for me was, and and maybe it's just because it was the most recent example of a great lesson, but mm. I had a great lesson during digital learning. So uh, okay. our schools closed uh, in California mid-March. And so then we transitioned to uh, digital learning for all of our students. And it was a little difficult because, you know, how do you get the same type of engagement, group work? How do you measure growth and all of that um, that everybody was dealing with? But I did a lesson on evolution with my sixth graders, and it was great. And I think one of the things that was interesting, so so basically what we looked at were the methods of examining um, how animals are related, the morphologic and genetic ways uh, animals are related. Um, and we did it through a multimedia kind of lesson plan. So we watched a video, which the kids really, really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Then they had uh, an opportunity to kind of think about discussion questions and answer independently. And then they got to play a group game where they actually had to do backwards evolution. So they had all these animals and they had Mm -hmm. to kind of pick which ones were similar and kind of get to um, their final uh, original ancestor. And so it just, I had super high engagement, questions left and right. Um, And in digital learning, I had just never had that before. Uh, And so... I was, I was like, I don't know what I did, but this is, yeah, that's, I mean, I, you feel so great after a great lesson, you know? Of course, yeah. And that's so good that it's so rare that a, a great lesson happened during digital learning. I've heard so many bad stories. And for me, a lot of my lessons were terrible during Mine too. digital learning. <laughs> um, but that's great. You had success. 
That's brilliant. And and have yeah. you found have you found during this time has it made you think about teaching differently when school goes back? Like have you had more ideas of how you could use technology when school goes back? Absolutely, and it's a great question. Uh, so definitely, a lot of the tools that I stumbled upon during digital learning, uh, mm. I know I'm going to implement during the year, no matter what it looks like, whether it's in person or digital, uh, yeah. because it. it the, the, the interesting thing is some students thrived even more in digital learning through yes. some of these tools. And so I, weren't, I wasn't able to reach them in the same way when we were in person in class. And so now I got a lot more feedback and insight into where they struggled, what yes. kind of things motivate them. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I think there are a lot of things that I'm going to do differently. And so mm. even though digital learning was super difficult hmm. um i'm excited because i i learned a ton uh yes. and i'm excited to keep exploring the space because i think there is a way to to really incorporate a lot of digital learning without it just being kind of zombie screen time yes, you know exactly yeah yeah and i think little things like even zoom uh to have those little chat rooms where they can go into uh it's brilliant so you're right they're not just on a screen doing a online activity by themselves they can still collaborate on it it's fantastic yeah it's, yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. really good so we've had your, your brilliant evolution lesson where the students were engaged chatting working with each other is there an example of the opposite is there a lesson that went horribly in your teaching career and most importantly what did you learn from that lesson um so uh, yes, I teach uh, math and science in sixth grade. Mm -hmm. And in California, in order to become a credentialed teacher, uh, you have to have a coach come in and record a lesson. Mm -hmm. And they kind of come in during, you know, a two month period unannounced, and they record a lesson, and they submit it to the state. Um, so I had my worst lesson on the day oh. that my coach came in oh, to no. record my lesson. Uh, it was on ratios. Nightmare. Yeah, it was really tough. Um, it was on ratios and uh, double number line, using a double number line to understand how to correct incorrect ratios and rates. And I think the challenge that I had, and, and I realized this as a math teacher uh, very early on, this was my first year of teaching. If I don't really understand why we're doing a certain procedure and how it's different from all the other procedures and what value it adds, I'm not going to effectively teach it. And that's what happened with the double number line. I knew what it was asking me to do, but I didn't really get the value of it. And so mm -hmm. neither did the kids, you know, they did it, but they were like, well, I just like the other method that we learned. Why are we doing it this way? And yes. I didn't have good answers. And so the, it sort of fell flat. And I think that's where I realized my own competency in the content was critical. Uh, to making sure my kids can master it. Because how can I ask them to master something if I myself haven't mastered it, you know? Exactly. Yes, exactly. And yeah. so after that lesson, did the, the coach who came to view it and video it, did they have a chat to you? Did they give you advice or were they kind or were they a bit... Uh... They were. Oh, good. They okay. were. In fact, yeah. um, uh, luckily that person had a math background. And so she actually kind of walked me through the double number line and said, right. so here's here's how I would have thought about it and how it can be different from the table method that you taught previously or the okay. fraction method. Um, so she was great. She kind of walked me through the lesson and it really helped me think about how I should have framed it for the kids. And yes. then 
um, how I could help them through the activity. Oh, good. Excellent. So now when you teach the double number line, you've got a much better process. I've done it again. It yes. went much better. Uh, oh, well, the good. Times. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, that's the main thing. As long as we improve each lesson, yeah. that's good. And so you teach sixth, sixth grade maths and science. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what, does, what is your teaching background? Why did you become a teacher? And, uh, and what year levels have you taught ever since? Yeah. So um, I, uh, teaching is my second career. I started out... Uh, out of so I went to business school out of business school I went into consulting and then I worked in tech companies so I worked at Samsung I worked at Apple and HP for well over a decade um, and most recently before I became a teacher I uh, was in Apple's education team and I just kind of was got really interested in education and specifically the the evolution of teaching and learning and where it had the potential to go and I realized yes. that I was so passionate about it that I didn't want to just look at it from from the external view, but I wanted to kind of be a part of it. And I wanted to see what I could do and create in that space. Um, and so I left the corporate world and uh, took a few courses um, and then became a teacher. And I started out in sixth grade. Um, I've also taught seventh and eighth grade, but mm-hmm. sixth grade seems to be my sweet spot. So mm-hmm. that's where I went, um, and that's my journey to teaching. So what's nice is I have this passion for technology uh, that I bring in my classroom. So I teach. I don't do um, I don't do whiteboards or chalkboards. I teach okay. with an iPad and two big right. screens on either side of the classroom, and so kids can see me write and they can you know see slides up every day, um, yeah. and that's how I teach uh, versus kind of chalkboard or whiteboard and. Anyways. Okay, excellent. And so, when with the two screens, uh, are they split? Are they? Is there different content on each screen, or is, is no, it the same, the same content? No, it's the same content. It's just yep. so that uh, kids can see, almost like a conference room. So I kind of modeled it after corporate conference rooms, where there yes. would be a screen on both sides. So wherever you are, you were close enough to see the content. Great. That's good because it's yeah. it's funny because in a, in a student's life once they leave school they're probably more likely to sit in a room that has conference screens than they are to sit in a room with a whiteboard so that's, that's right. good that's just one way to prepare them for the for the real world yeah yeah absolutely and, and they seem to engage with it i mean uh the incoming fifth graders are always looking in my classroom to say wow you don't have whiteboards you have screens so yes. it also adds just a tiny dimension of mystery uh good for the yes. incoming Excellent. Uh, no, that's yeah. good. That's what that's what we like. And when you yeah. came into teaching, how did you find the behavior side of things? Because the content is one thing to know the content. Uh, what was your experience when you first started of behavior management and trying to keep the students on task and behaving themselves? Yeah, um, a total disaster. Uh, so okay. I, I taught uh, in San Francisco's highest need uh, middle school. So it has really high. Um, a really low teacher retention. And yes. It also has a lot of challenges um, from a discipline and suspension and expulsion standpoint uh, mm. from students. And so, you know, I, I knew I wanted to go into a classroom like that. So I, I knew that classroom management was going to be a challenge for me. I didn't realize how much of a challenge it was going to be for me. Mm. Um, and I struggled significantly. I did the things that, you know, we were taught. I created expectations. I, Mm -hmm. you know, made sure that they were clear and that I was consistent with them. 
Um, but then I struggled with, uh, in the US, we have something called PBIS or positive behavior intervention support. Mm -hmm. And they, they kind of look at behavior in three tiers. Tier one is just kind of, you know, talking during class and being a little bit disruptive. Tier two is maybe I've gotten upset if the student has gotten upset and isn't able mm -hmm. to manage their emotions. And then tier three is really they're potentially being dangerous or threatening themselves or other students. And so mm -hmm. I had a lot of tier three behavior in my classroom. And I mm -hmm. realized that I just didn't know how to handle it. And mm -hmm. I lost my patience regularly. I got upset. Uh, yeah. The worst was when you're basically just yelling to try yes. to simmer down the situation and and go back to teaching. But I would say that year I did very little teaching. I yes. did a lot of behavior management, but yes. very little teaching, which which made me realize I had to do something different. Yes, exactly. In fact, I was at a in my first year of teaching, I went to a professional development session and we were at a round table. And what you've just explained uh, was a common experience for all of us because it was term four. So it was the last term of our first year. And all of us were saying, uh, I've, I started the year out passionate about my subject and I, I walked into the lesson thinking, I'm going to change these young people's minds about this subject. But then by the end of the year, we've spent most of our lesson just trying to get them to sit still uh, and and yelling as well. And I think it's a, it's a very common experience of first-year teachers of, of just yelling <laughs> and getting grumpy because we haven't got that initial control of the class. And so what are some okay. of the things that you tried and what worked for you? Um, so I had children, uh, and so mm. I had done a lot of research into like positive parenting or attachment parenting, yes. which... The, the the essence of it is very transferable to teaching because the essence of it is when you see a type of behavior, you're trying to think about what is the underlying message of this behavior? What are they trying to communicate? Mm -hmm. And you solve that versus solving the behavior. So if somebody mm -hmm. pushes something off somebody else's desk, that's not what you focus on. You focus on, well, what caused you to do that? Are you mm -hmm. bored? Are you missing something and mm -hmm. you got frustrated? You know, what is the thing that caused that behavior. Um, and then, you know, the second thing that I tried to do a lot, which honestly, that first year I failed often, um, was trying to share my own calm and patience. Um, right. and, and that certainly helps students, but when you run out of your patience, then, you know, it, it just escalates problems. Um, so I yes. did try that, although I struggled to implement it consistently. Mm -hmm. And, and I think what was hard was, I, because I, I wasn't able to do some of these things consistently, I didn't build deep relationships with the students. I didn't really take the time to understand. I just wanted to be done with that situation and sometimes that student as soon as possible, you know? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if I had to call for help, I called for help and I was like, just just take them out of my classroom so yeah. I can teach. And it, it's, it feels terrible to say that because these are the students that actually need more of my support and yes. more of my patience but in the first year it was just so difficult that it was it was like let me just get to teaching the other 28 students yes. that i have sitting here you know but i think i think that's mm. what's exciting about teaching because yeah. you know in in every profession there's that professional challenge that if you take on it's kind of like you know you take on that one big project and if you win it that's like it makes your career you know yes. and those students 
that's that's the teaching you know milestone or project that will make your career if you if you get through if you figure out a pathway um and so you know if you change your mindset to that then it became much more like actually i'm going to proactively engage this person when i see them at lunch or when i see them walking down the hall i'm going to yes. do something proactive versus yes um, effectively avoiding and so when you look at your class and and when there was misbehavior happening uh you touched on it just then but i suppose i'd love to hear your thoughts on why do kids misbehave in our classes um what 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 reasons do they misbehave and and how can we fix that as teachers in our own practice yeah so i think i think um when you think about why kids misbehave and i think about it with my own kids um there is always an underlying reason for it. And sometimes that reason I found is not just, I mean, there's the typical reasons of I'm bored or I'm frustrated, something happened at home, something of that nature. But the the most common reason that I found was actually, I haven't built the skill that you need for me to be productive in this classroom yet. So I, I simply haven't built the skill to sit in my chair and take out materials and be ready. I just I haven't built that up because years and years of teachers not kind of um, productively teaching me this allowed me to just kind of act wild through my years and years of school. And so I'm coming to you without this capability. Um, and when you realize that, then you realize, well, instead of kind of demanding you to focus on the lesson objective or what I'm trying to teach, I actually need to build this skill with you. That's where I need, I need to start where you are. So what I'm going to talk about with you today is the expectation for getting ready. And that's it. We're just going to work on that day after day after day after day. And once you get that, that's when I can start to kind of level you up to the next skill, um, whatever that might be. Excellent. Yeah, because you're right. It is a skill that to be able to sit in class totally. and listen. It's a skill. I love watching year one and prep teachers or uh, teach their class that skill for the first few weeks of school you see them in in the schoolyard there are these tiny little bodies just walking around in two lines and then the teacher gets them to pause they get out their lunchbox it's all all about transition it's a skill absolutely and if you didn't have teachers like that or um uh or for whatever reason you had teachers like that but you were able to kind of slip through the cracks Mm. then you just never had that practice. And mm. and I think oftentimes I, um, in that first year, I mistook that as mm. almost like you're trying to be disruptive to me and mm. almost like personal. But then you have to kind of take a step back and say, well, this isn't personal. This is just, I need to help you work on this skill. Yes, yes, yeah. You're right about taking it personal. I, I would often think, oh, well, yeah. this student doesn't like me or I'm doing something wrong. But yeah, it's not always the case, is it? There's an underlying skill. I like that. Yeah. Yes. In fact, there are a few students I've taught who I, I probably could have done a better job of of teaching that skill to, and uh, I, I like the way you phrase that. I like the way. Yeah, you and that. and that's. I think if you look at it that way, then it's not it's not really emotional. It's just this is a skill that you need to build. So mm-hmm. that's where we start, and we're going to mm-hmm. work on it, and we're going to keep working on it. And only mm-hmm. when we've mastered that are we going to take it to the next level. And I think mm. sometimes it's hard because you want to make sure they're academically progressing as well. But mm-hmm. you have to realize in the long term, if you can't get some of these basics done, 
they're you know they're going to be out of the class and therefore not even learning and exactly so yes so it's critical to take that time you are listening to episode number seven of the Teacher's Guide podcast, a conversation with Nadi Patel, Year 6 teacher and app developer from California. Now, so far, Nadi has given us some great tips and insights into behavior management. So at this point of the interview, I asked her to share with us about the app that she has developed, which is called the Cred Rewards app. And this is a great way for teachers to uh, encourage students to set goals and it can be used for behavior management as well in our classes. So here's Nadi talking about the Cred Rewards app. Yeah, sure. So the idea actually came because uh, I was working with, at that time, a seventh and eighth grade class, and mm-hmm. um, we were doing kind of a business and entrepreneurship class. And one right. of the things that we were uh, starting with is let's find a problem that we can solve. And mm-hmm. so the kids immediately picked the problem of, behavior in schools. And so I was like, okay, so let's think about this. How can we support better behavior or, you know, just kind of more positive choices by the student body overall? Because it's not always bad behavior that's the problem. It's sometimes, it's just, we're not incentivizing the right choices. And so with that class, we developed what became Cred Rewards. I mean, we developed the framework of um, uh, looking at why kids aren't motivated to make the right choices. And as we dug into the research, what we found was there's the science of motivating kids is pretty significant and it's been there and it's been there for many, many years. And it points to two basic factors. In order to motivate kids and adolescents, they need to get positive attention. So that's one. So you have to think about that. How do I constantly provide positive attention when they make the right choices? And then the second piece is they need to have autonomy. So they need to have the ability to make choices and be a contributing member in order for them to be motivated to make the choices that you feel are more appropriate. Um, So we dug into that research and then we created this framework of cred rewards. And basically how it works is um, kids get the app uh, and they start by picking skills they want to work on. The skills can be academic, they can be social emotional, they can be sports or arts related, or even home responsibility related. And Mm. um, once they pick the skill, they pick how many days they wanna work on it, how long they wanna work on it, and they're responsible to track it every day. I use it as my morning routine now, so all the kids open up their computers, they put in how they did on their skills. There's even a little emoji, a daily emoji that they can pick to tell me how they're feeling that day. That all comes to me as the teacher so I can see kind of their progress. Um, And then adults, be they parents or teachers, give points. It's a very Mm -hmm. similar system that many people do already. Um, Mm -hmm. So I give points throughout the day for skills, but I also give it for making good choices and uh, being a helpful member of our community. And then the kids get a digital rewards catalog. Some of the things that I put in there, some of the things that cred rewards can put in with partners. So Mm -hmm. a bunch of things in this catalog that are really fun. Kids then save up. They can um, use some of those to play games. So there's kind of like these skill games that test their math knowledge or current events knowledge, things like that, where they could win even more points. Um, Mm -hmm. they can take on challenges to do even more things to earn more points and then, um, get in a rewards catalog. Yes. Brilliant. And, and when you said they, they pick a skill to work on, 
have you created like a list of skills to choose from or, or can they literally choose any anything that they want to work on so and, and they type can, it in? They can, th- there's a create my own skill. So you can do right. whatever it is that you want. In fact, um, our uh, teachers who teach special education, when they used our app, they kind of help their students basically reframe IEP goals. So we have something mm-hmm. called an IEP. I don't know if that's Yes, universal. yeah, we have that here. Yep. Oh, perfect. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. So an IEP goal, you know, it's not very, you know, teen friendly, but uh, the teacher would help the student kind of rephrase it so that they're working on their IEP goals every day. Um, and so whatever that might be, whether math or reading or what have you, uh, and so they can create their own goals. But I do have a list of about 100 goals um, okay. that's based on grade level that they can choose from. Excellent. Excellent. It sounds like a very automated, I, I love automation and I love how making things easier because I've seen classroom economies um, that teachers incorporate for behavior management and and the, the students have like a little bag that their money goes in and it's just a logistical nightmare because every day they have to get their money out and count their money and then the smart totally. kids start stealing money and uh, by smart, I mean, you know what I mean, the, the sneaky kids, they start stealing money and it can turn into a nightmare. So this sounds like a very organized, efficient way of, of having those rewards. Absolutely. And what's nice is from the teacher standpoint, I see all the rede- So kids can redeem for things whenever mm-hmm. they want. So they can go home and go, oh, tomorrow I want to get, you know, a free snack. I want a 15 minute break and I want this. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as a teacher, I see those redemptions and it's really up to me to when I deliver them, you know, so I can Excellent. tell them, okay, I see that you have these three things. Uh, you're going to get the first one in the morning. You'll get the second one in the afternoon. And it's just so easy to kind of check it off. Um, mm-hmm. And what's nice is you see kids kind of, uh, one of the rewards that I put on there was saving up for a class party. And that was a ton of points. I mean, you basically had to be good for, you know, like, four months straight, uh, maxing out on points every single day. Um, But a lot of students wanted to do that. They Mm -hmm. wanted to earn their class a class party by Mm -hmm. their own contribution, which was really nice to see. So I started adding many more kind of community-oriented rewards because it was just nice to see that they didn't just want things for themselves, that they wanted to, to do something that everybody can enjoy. Yes, that's good. That's great. Yeah, when a student can see that their own uh, behavior or their own choices directly affects the whole class, that's a very good thing. And and, and they so become far, the hero. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And and so far, there's there's been lots of positive rewards. So you, as the teacher, put in digital rewards and you you add points. Do you ever do the negative of that? Do you ever take points away? So uh, our app is designed very much in tune with the positive behavior methodology. So you cannot take away points. If a student did something to earn points, that stays forever. If they then do something that's negative, that doesn't negate the good thing that they had done previously, right? So that's the kind of mentality here that you you earned it. That is Mm -hmm. something that you've earned. Now you're doing something that maybe is not the best choice or kind of negative behavior, and we're dealing with that in sort of a separate mm. process. And so uh, without naming a student or making it obvious, uh, do you have an example of, say, a student who wrote down a skill and then within a matter of months or, or, 
after a term, you saw progress. Is is there a, a student journey you could tell us about? Yeah, sure. App? So I had um, one student who uh, he he was definitely, as I referenced before, kind of had a lot of tier three behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, so he would very easily get frustrated and then um, overreact and and kind of have a very difficult time de-escalating to go back into the classroom environment. Um, so the skill that we, that I recommended that he work on, he, he picked two other skills. One was sports related and one I think was art related because he really liked to draw. Um, and then the skill that I kind of worked with him to develop uh, and add in was one around kind of his uh, emotional uh, re- resilience, mm-hmm. right? So being able to handle a situation in a certain way and we talk through you know, what would be certain strategies that you can use if you got frustrated. And so the skill was when I get frustrated, I will use one of the five strategies, you know, we talked about. And, uh, you know, he tracked the art one a little bit. He tracked the sports one every day. So he did the sports one every day, the art one he didn't quite do. But what was great was I was able to check in with him every day Mm. on the um, social emotional one. And so it created this really nice opportunity for me to say, hey, I saw that you didn't give yourself credit for meeting this goal yesterday, but I saw you do this and I thought that was fantastic. And so then you get excited and he'd go back and he'd check it. He's like, all right, all right, I did it, I did it. Um, and and I think moments like that, and, and I think the important piece that I also wanna bring out is even though this is a digital tool, it's meant to facilitate in-person connection. It's not yes. meant to be, this offline, you know, online, never talk to people kind of tool. It's really meant to create conversation. This is just an app with words in it. You know, that's, yeah. that's all it is. Yeah. And, and if you create that connection with the student, it creates a really fun way to, to kind of follow them on their journey. Uh, and so by the end of the year, he had completed his social emotional um, skill and you could see the progress. I mean, you could see when he would get frustrated, he would take a deep breath and he he would find one of the strategies and he would do them. And many times he came up to me during recess or during one of the passing periods and he said, I tracked it today. And so that would tell me that he, he you know, employed that skill and did it. And he was just so proud of doing it, which yeah. was, I mean, it was just such a great kind of experience to have. Yes, definitely. And I liked that part where you said you could say to him, I saw you do this and you didn't give yourself credit because often students are quite hard on themselves they, yeah. they, and, and they, don't, they don't give themselves credit. They think, oh, you know, I didn't do very well today. But that's great that you as the teacher could go, I saw you do this. You should go and give yourself some credit because you did the right thing. You made a good choice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I could have just given him credit in the app, but I think helping them kind of say, go back and say, no, do a little reflection. Mm. You did great today. You Mm -hmm. know, I mean, today you got all your points, you got everything you need um, and you accomplished this skill, which is fantastic. Excellent. Very good. So if if a teacher uh, has has heard this wonderful example of of how this app can work and they they want to get rid of their bag of money um, from their class economy. (laughs) Or um, their, uh, (laughs) we use paper tickets in my classroom before before this app. Yeah, so paper tickets. Uh, So so how do we go about incorporating this into our classroom? Um, What are the sort of steps of downloading the app, getting the students on it, starting a profile? How, How should a teacher go about that? 
Yeah, so uh, this tool is free for teachers. We, mm -hmm. we do charge schools for full school-wide implementation, but each teacher can use it for free. Fantastic. Um, how it works is you download the app. It's available on the Apple App Store as well as the Google Play Store. It's called Cred Rewards. Um, you sign in as a teacher. Uh, the steps are, you know, you create an account very quickly. Um, you create a rewards catalog. We also have recommended rewards, one for um, mostly in-person classes mm -hmm. and then one that are fully digital. So things that you could do if you were only online teaching, these would be things that you could also give in a fully online world. Right. Um, so we have our own kind of preset rewards that you can use. That's really all you have to do. You get a class code. So as your kids set up their own accounts, either through web or an app, they will enter your class code and then they get linked to you automatically. Mm -hmm. And so then the, your kids pop up. You can even create groups of kids. So if you wanted to do, you know, if, if your classroom is done by groups, you can also create groups and mm -hmm. then give points to that entire group um, or you can give them individually. Uh, so that's really it. It takes about, you know, maybe like 10 minutes to set up uh, right. for a teacher. And then kids get on your platform. And then really it's just the daily, you know, point giving. Mm -hmm. um, the way that I've seen, the way that I've done it in my classroom, and then I do think it works best, is if you incorporate it really as a part of your morning routine. Yes. It's a nice way to start the day mm. reflecting on the day before and kind Definitely. of priming yourself for the day ahead. So students think about, did I do this skill yesterday? Did I work on it? Oh, yeah, I did. When I came home from school, I did do it. And so then they they have that reflection process. And then I also ask them to think about when will you work on this skill today? So yes. think about that. When is the time that you're going to fit in 30 minutes of, you know, running or mm -hmm. whatever your skill is? When mm -hmm. are you going to fit that in? Um, and so it's just a nice way to kind of prep them for the day. As we're nearing the end of today's episode, it wouldn't be right to have Nadi leave us without giving us her three tips for beginner teachers. So here is Nadi sharing with us her three main tips for any beginner or early career teacher. Uh, so along with download the Cred Rewards app, mm -hmm. think very intentionally about giving positive reinforcement early and often upfront because that helps create uh, the critical connection and relationship between you and the students. So that would be kind of my first bit of advice is how are you giving positive rewards and I th or positive incentives or positive mm -hmm. reinforcement. It doesn't have to be rewards. And, and the second piece is actually a, a clarification of the first piece. So saying things like, I love it that you did this is, is not really the positive reinforcement that works as well as just telling the student that they accomplished something that is meaningful to them. It, it shouldn't be about you made the teacher feel good about something because it's that's not the goal. The goal mm. is you sat there quietly and read that book for 45 minutes, improving your ability to read for even longer tomorrow. So, so giving positive reinforcement in a way that encourages their own behavior and own attitudes, I think is critical. So that's my second piece. Um, my, th my third piece is giving consequences is important. Um, it's also important that you still build in autonomy within the consequence framework. So what I often do is I set my expectations up front in the classroom to say, if you don't do this, here are the sort of list of potential consequences that we can go through. 
when the child um, makes a mistake or does something that they weren't supposed to, I talk about the consequence that I think is appropriate for that particular action. There's a quick discussion of, do you agree? Or do you think there's another consequence that makes more sense to help mm -hmm. you realize uh, or not do this again in the future? Mm -hmm. And then there's a quick discussion. And then I have the kid verbally say back to me what the consequence would be if they did that again. Uh, and, and that creates a really interesting contract between the teacher and the child and the student where the child has basically said, if I talk out loud in class again, I will be asked to sit in, you know, the side seat so that I don't mm -hmm. uh, disrupt my classroom, whatever mm -hmm. the consequence is. But if they say it, it's a lot more impactful um, versus just doling out consequences. Excellent. Yes. No, very good. And, and you're right about that contract because uh, then they know they, the student has taken ownership of, of what their behavior will result in. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. No, very good. Very good. Well, if, if I was the graduate teacher who came to you, I'd be pretty happy with those tips and I would, um, I would incorporate them into my class. So, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been Zach, wonderful chatting with you. Thank you so much. You. It's been a pleasure. Yes. You know, there's some brilliant content here and, um, and I just I can't wait to share that with, with everyone. So, um, yeah, thank you for coming on the podcast and, uh, and I hope that we can chat again soon. Thanks so much, Zach. Well, how good was that? That brings us to the end of episode number seven of the Teacher's Guide podcast. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Nadi Patel as much as I did. It certainly gave me a few things to speak about, sorry, to think about uh, with my year six class and how I can incorporate some of those goal setting and behavior management strategies with them. Now, if the CRED app sounds like something you're interested in using in your classroom, feel free to check out the website, which is credapp.com, and CRED is spelt K-R-E-D, or jump on Instagram and search for CRED Rewards with a K, and you can't miss it. You'll see the, you'll see the Instagram page there, and you can find more information. Speaking of Instagram, if you don't follow me, the Teacher's Guide podcast, please do so. And if you enjoyed this podcast, jump over to Apple Podcasts and give it a nice review. That would make me feel very warm and fuzzy on the inside. Until next time, all the best with your teaching. And if you're on holidays, have a wonderful holiday. And we'll see you for episode number eight of the Teacher's Guide podcast.